holding pocket. It's time now for the chipping forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell and special guest Ian Carter. Welcome along to the, the chipping forecast. We are a day late. We're tardy. Get tardy slips. Actually, we'll do a roll call at the start of this chipping forecast. Uh, Carter. Yeah. Pepperell. 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 <sighs> anyway, no, I don't want you to leave now that you've realised <laughs> that. Actually, people might. Eddie's not here. There'll be metrics oh, on this. No, it'll just this huge dip that Eddie's not here this week. So there is, I was going to say a backstory to it. There isn't really a backstory. He just said, guys, I'm really, really busy. I'm actually, I'm glad in a way for his for his golf and his game that he said he's a bit busy. He's getting ready for Raz Al-Khaima this week. And we, we've talked about this quite a bit, Ian, haven't we? That, um, you know, it's nice that he likes doing the pod and we love having him on the pod and everybody loves having him on the pod. But, uh, you know, he's a pro golfer. It's a serious business. And every email and letter and missive that we receive um, tells us how much they love mm -hmm. Eddie. And um, he's the person that they most want to listen to, which is kind of great for us because we've got Eddie, but it's kind of a little disappointing from our point of view as well. Listen, he's, he's, in, a, he's in a very busy spell right now and actually you know i take issue andrew with you saying that we're late with this with this uh, edition you know we're a monday or tuesday yeah. recording pod <laughs> because of the nature of the of the game and you know this is the first one i was traveling all day yesterday eddie's making his way to raz al khaima and he's got to get his game in in shape he's got an awful lot on so uh, this week he's he's absolutely he was he actually i saw him on sunday and he actually thought he'd be able to do something later on today, but clearly, you know, uh, just just too busy. It's a busy world, but uh, he said he'll be with us for the coming weeks. And he's on a what a four week trip out to the Middle East, and you know, it was a disappointing one for him last week. I don't think he was overly surprised because it was no. a a tough course setup at uh, Dubai Desert Classic, and it was first time out for him. Who would have thought that preparing for a tournament by playing a virtual road hole with us was not good enough preparation for <laughs> for going out to Dubai? Anyways, I might I might occasionally add an Eddie style thought. Uh, well, you think the government's a good troll? Who controls them, Ian? Um, or tell a story about how, how they burned down the clubhouse as juniors? But it was just hijinks. <laughs> just they're just young and cutting loose. Anyway, yeah, we'll come on to Eddie in Dubai and uh, more importantly, Nick Dunlap on the PGA Tour in a moment. But Ian is Ian is very excited today because he's he's joined the revolution, haven't you? You're um... well. I'm 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 aiming to. I'm aiming to. Do you remember back in the days of the cut and you you gave me an almighty telling off for going to America for a meeting, an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, so, well, and people might not know this story. Sorry, no, people might not know this story. So it's worth recounting here. So I was on the panel uh, to kind of decide who was going to be admitted to the World Golf Hall of Fame. I'll tell you when it was. It was the year that Eddie won the British Masters. It was that mm. week. So I went on the Monday to the meeting 
which was in Florida, and came back on the Tuesday and was at the British Masters the next day. And I felt quite pleased with myself that I'd been to America and back already in the week before the tournament had even started. And you, I never forget, you just said, Ian, have you heard of the environment? <laughs> well, and- <laughs> well, I mean, this was uh, I, this was extraordinary. It was uh, because you went over, had breakfast, cast your vote or something, or had yeah. a chat and came back. And that yeah, was it. That so, was, and that was it. So On was the uh, on the World Golf Hall of Fame private jet. It was, it was good for the tier points. I know that much. This is a long way around to saying that I'm joining uh, um, uh, by way of, of kind of redressing the balance. I'm, I'm going down the electric car route. So at any moment, this pod could be interrupted by people coming to fix uh, a point uh, so that I can plug the new car in and the new car should come today as well. So it is, it's a very exciting day. Love a new car, love a new car. You love a new car, don't you? Everyone loves a new car, so I've not a new car for a while. Yes, the electric revolution. Oh, well, I mean, who, how does your electricity get made, Ian? Yeah, you should be listening to Joe Rogan. I don't know if he talks about that, but he might do. Anyway, no, but overall it is cleaner. Are you not worried about range anxiety, though? Uh, I am I am already anxious about range anxiety. It's got to get me to Leicester and back of a weekend, obviously, <laughs> ofs. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm slightly anxious about that, but uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be good. I think it'll be well, right. you just hope that it's not cold weather because, you know, you get 30% less range in your, when the battery's cold. Unless you have a heater, you can yeah, you can get some sort of heater for your... Your, the battery I, I saw all those stories from America that where where it's you know been seriously seriously cold and they can't wake up the batteries and all these Teslas no, and stuff yeah. like that. So it's not a Tesla, by the way. Um, just in case oh. Eddie, you know, is you know, oh. well, I mean, Elon Musk, he controls he could, the government, yeah, doesn't he? he does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get the too cold where you are, and it won't. And you anyway, electric cars are great at the moment if you are if you do a short daily commute. But if if you because I you know, do long journeys in my car and you go to the service stations in the motorway and they're, yeah, they're getting more and more out there, but it's so slow and you, you could, you know, you're fighting with uh, someone else for a charger. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I don't have an electric car. I've got a hybrid, hybrid. I'm, I'm just sitting on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Anyway, good. Well, I'm glad about that. So um, I haven't uh, been doing any traveling really. I've just been, uh, how was Dubai overall? Dubai was really good, actually. Very uh, enjoyable. There was a lot going on. Just so much, so much chat. What's going to happen? What's going to happen here? Keith Pelly, I thought was um, he was very optimistic that something is 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 going to happen. I thought that Rory McIlroy, uh, his weekend performance was was fantastic. So the golf kind of uh, took over. Michael Thorbjornsson, um, you know, well, yeah, I was uh, mention under, him, yeah. under the radar a little bit, given what happened in America, but an amateur finishing 11th there, reminding us of just how much strength and depth and talent that is is coming through at the moment, especially from the college system in America. So stuff to talk about there. But over and above everything else, Andrew, the one thing was that I knew it was absolutely freezing cold at home and it was beautiful out there. Yeah, but freezing cold is is good. It's the, I, I, I like it when it's freezing cold and it's because it's clear and it's sunny then when the high pressure well, comes I in. Well, I, I do great. I had a great week yeah. in, uh, yeah. in North Wales, flinging myself up some mountains. And uh, Although I would say as well, when I came back, Friday was, was really nice as well. So I thought, I'll go out and hit some balls. And the golf course was closed and, and was for a few days with a frost. Now, that's fine because they don't have winter greens at the course 
and I'm a member of now. I mean, they do it not. Uh, they, uh, but but the range was closed as well. Health and oh, safety, no. I'm told. Health oh. and safety gone mad. What's going on? Eddie. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> what would he say here? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Our golf course always plays when it's frosty. We're never on winter greens. The ball will bounce all over the place. But as soon as a thaw comes in, that's when they close the course. So the yeah. weekend was shut because they're worried about root shear. Because once the, the top starts moving because it's thawed, but underneath is frozen, then you just rip the grass to, to pieces. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm all about protecting the course, but um, I, I thought I might be able to hit balls off the mats on the, on the practice ground, but I wasn't. So then I went to, uh, I went to nearby one Hartford uh, driving range, hit some balls, freezing morning, hit some balls. Did you impress anyone? Were there any, any youths there, local youths? No, there weren't any youths there. Actually, there were some youths there, but it was very early because I went along about half past eight in the morning. Oh, there wouldn't be any youths got, at that time in the morning. No, they don't get up, the youths. Uh, but they've got Trackman on every every bay, and it, but it was quite dispiriting at that time in the morning and with the temperature and how far I wasn't hitting it. But I, anyway, so I went, you can load up a course a la Eddie. So I loaded up, uh, I loaded up Troon. See what my home court. I wanted to see how accurate it was on the on the setup, and it was really, really accurate. And to the point where I put it OB, I put it on the beach off the tee in the first. But I hadn't <laughs> calibrated because you know you've got to point at the flag that you want to be your starting point for every shot. So you've got to, and I point at the wrong flag. That was my excuse. Did you also, NR at that point? Yeah, I just picked up. Yeah, I picked up on everything because I wanted to get to the postage stamp and see what it was like and uh, see how accurate it was. So I just gave myself a double bogey in every hole. What did you make? On the postage stamp, I made a par. I actually had the green. So mm. um, good. But it's only 123 yards off the championship tee. There we are. Bit of preview for the Open. Yes. And the, so the other thing was at the golf course, they've chopped down a load of trees. So they, so they sent out an email yesterday pinged up in my inbox. It was the most exciting email I had all day, which tells you a lot about my life at the moment, that it said logs are available behind um, the clubhouse because the greenkeepers had cut down all these trees uh, for first come, first serve basis. You go on, pay £10, you can fill up your car with logs. So anyway, I went down there and thought, this is going to be fantastic. I'm going to have all the logs I need for a log burner for the for the rest of the winter. And I'm just going to fill up the car, not an electric car, a uh, sturdy car. And a log burner is good for the environment. Log burners are great for the environment, he said with no knowledge. I don't think they are great. I don't think they're as bad as open fires. Oh, we're going to get some correspondence now, aren't we? Oh, no. We need Eddie <laughs> to come in and say, just have a log burner. God. Switch on GB News. They talk about log burners all the time. <laughs> Um, so I got round there, but of course they weren't these nice little basketed size logs that you could put in a log burner. They were massive bits of trunk that they just sort of cut discs out of, etc. So I thought, well, but then I was, you know me, I don't like to lose face. And there were a couple of cars pulled up behind me at that point. So I didn't want to be the person who said, I can't, I don't know how to handle proper logs. I do split logs. I've got a log split. I've got a mall. And, you know, so I split logs. So this what is, is a log splitter? What, so is that like an axe? No, because you, know, you don't split, you don't, when you're cutting firewood, you don't use an axe. You use a maul, a splitter, because all you're doing is you're splitting it down the weak fault line in, right. the, in the wood. Because if you use an axe, it would just go in, because axes are sharp edged, and they would go in and they just stick and then right. sort of wood almost closes in around them and you, it takes, it's difficult to get it back out of the log. So what you do is it, it's like a blunt axe, very, very heavy head, 
and you're just you're just dropping it on the fault line. You line it up with a fault line. It's quite good because I sort of take my golf stance. And um, do they do these with carbon shafts? They don't know wooden. Ha- they probably do actually. No. Anyway, I've got a wooden handle one, old school, old school mall. What loft? It's just a regular. I've heard there are some guys using like three or four degree ones, but they've got pretty, you know, they've got long arms, so they can get yeah. back there. So I just so it's but it's good. It's the action of it is so you line it up and you just lift the mall above your head and you just let it drop, just nicely. And but if you miss it, then it's probably coming through and hitting your shins which is not good. You've got it on your chopping block of hardwood on the ground, and then you put your log down there. You line it up with the seam, the fault line that's got, you know is going to split. And it's all the satisfaction when you get it right in the middle and it just falls apart like that. But anyway, these pieces of massive piece of tree that I then heaved into my car, because there was a guy who was, I don't know, he's about 80 years old, who'd come up behind me and I went, oh God, they're big, they're big logs. And he went, yes, yes, you just, you just split them. And I thought, well, yeah, of course I just split them. And I, outdoorsman that's what I am um so I put them in uh, filled up the whole boot with trees basically and then I hauled them out at home so I'm gonna to have to go and try and split them this afternoon but if I can't split them because they're oak and they're and they're birch they're really hard wood and they're freshly cut as well so it's not as if the fault lines have been exposed yet with sort of cracking so if I can't do that I'm gonna to have to buy a chainsaw for about 100 quid so I've lost money on the deal chainsaw costs more than 100 quid no, I've seen one that's uh, not too bad because you won't need a huge one for just because the hard work's been done by the greenkeepers who have cut down the trees. So then you're now now just trying to cut off sections of it. So you get one for about about eighty quid, I think. This does not sound very environmentally friendly to me. Um. Anyway, so there we go. So that's uh, how long have we recorded so far? (laughs) (laughs) The other thing is as well, I was doing lots of research on various golfing aspects yesterday. But then again, on Instagram, things that pop up and moving on from the large man who just says Bosch, something popped up. And it's because David Flatman, the ex-rugby player, presenter, commentator, he likes things occasionally this is why they pop up into my feed and i'll see the reason is you know i'll watch the video that's been recommended to me for some reason because i've got time to kill and it says this post was liked by david flatman that's why it's been recommended to you uh, anyway so is this song about oh, no. called cheese tax <laughs> right so it's just about this guy in atlanta you can say hello to him when you go to the masters he wrote this song for tiktok for dogs uh, about dogs wanting bits of cheese when cooking's being done. Anyway, this sounds, I'm not sure why we're talking about this on Golf Pod. Ian's certainly not sure, but it's been in my head for uh, a few days now uh, since I first watched it. And I want it to be in all your heads as well because that's how annoying it is. But if you look up Cheese Tax and look at the videos, but anyway, here we are. This is the Cheese Tax song. The Cheese Tax, the Cheese Tax. You gotta pay the Cheese Tax every time you're cooking. When the cheese comes out, this puppy comes looking. The rules are the rules and the facts are the facts. And when the cheese drawer opens, you gotta pay the tax. The Cheese Tax, the Cheese Tax, the Cheese Stop that, stop that, stop. Anyway, so uh, I've never seen Ian look so confused. As he looks tonight, just trying, lady just, in red. Just, I'm just wondering where my car is. Do you think Eddie would would approve of a, a, a tax on cheese? Eddie would, uh, well, not at the moment, uh, but no, he would generally. Uh, the, the cheese tax is you, when you cook with cheese or you get a bit of cheese, you've got to give the dog a tax. 
So that's right. the dog singing there. I mean, it's not. It's the guy Matt Hobbs from Atlanta, but um, he's doing it in a doggy voice. Um, so now whenever I get the cheese out to make a sandwich and Olive and Mabel stick their head around the door and I say, puppy, come a looking. <laughs> the rules are the rules. And the facts are the facts. When the cheese comes out, you got to pay the tax. Anyway, so... I think I yes. think it's very important at this point to remember that we're a golf podcast and start reflecting on some big stories. Quick. Okay. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, the big story was, is, you know, Rory McIlroy winning four and any other weekend winning four, his fourth... Uh, Dubai title, Dubai Desert Classic, would have been the big story. But the big story is Nick Dunlap. So, I mean, I did watch a bit of it. That's how big a story it was. If I, if I <laughs> stir myself to watch a bit Scotland's of it. Scotland's Nick Dun- Dunlap. I think we can claim him. It's a Scottish name, Dunlap. Well, Dunlop's a Scottish name. So it's obviously, I, I was going to look into it, it's been corrupted because Dunlop in Ayrshire, that's where the name comes from. The, yeah. The, the town of Dunlop. It comes from the Gaelic Dunlabe which is the fort in the bend, right, which okay, comes so, from Ayrshire. Okay. goes all the way back to 1260. Yes. You've, you've shown your non-Scottish credentials there by saying Gaelic, which would be the Irish rather than Gaelic. But um, I'm oh, sorry, off Gaelic. All right, all right. Here's a question for you, Ian. Question mm. for all the listeners. A simple question. Would you, would you just turn pro now? It's a good question, and I think he's really wrestling with it. And he has taken this week off. He's pulled out of playing in the farmers i think to to just assess where he's at because that was that was life changing wasn't it yeah he's a he's a sophomore sophomore's the second so- year sophomore, isn't it yeah sophomore so yeah they go freshman sophomore junior senior junior senior yeah. they were good they were from denmark we don't use those titles so much even no then, but yeah so his second year studying finance Studying yeah. finance, and he's just he's just missed out on $1.5 million. Well, the thing is, as the US Open champion, he's already... US amateur champion. US amateur champion. He's already in the US Open. He's already in the Masters. He's already in the Open yeah. Championship. But now, he's if he turns pro, he can go into the, the PGA Championship as well, the Players' Championship. He has two years on the, the PGA Tour, which means... You know, is such a, a a valuable thing to be able to. Yes, it, it, for a week he has just played the most unbelievable golf, but he would then have that insurance policy of being able to miss a string of cuts and work on his game and make himself better in the longer term. So there's an awful lot to weigh up there, isn't there? Yeah, but I, I mean, he's only just twenty. I mean, we we you know covered him quite a bit in the Walker Cup and got to, to know him a bit there. He actually didn't do well in the Walker Cup. He's, he didn't enjoy St Andrews. You know, he's it was his first experience of Lynx golf. And when you see St Andrews, the old course, for the first time, you think, is this this is this is madness. And he, he got cuffed by John Goff, beat him six and five. Though he came back well in his singles match against Barkley Brown, who's three mm. down with four to play. And got a half out of that, which I think was a bit of a turning point. And and uh, I think they had a, a last hole win with um, Gordon Sargent in, in one of his pairings as well. But apart from that, Sargent's, um, you know, he's known Sargent a long time there. He's only for about 20 minutes away. He's Dunlap's from Alabama. Birmingham. Well, yeah, Alabama, Birmingham, Huntsville. You know who else is from Huntsville? Go on. Stuart Sink is from Huntsville. Uh, yeah. Yes. Huntsville was originally called Twickenham. The origin of names with Andrew Carter. It was originally called Twickenham because Leroy Pope, who owned the land where Huntsville 
as it became known, eventually grew. Uh, the settlement originally named Twickenham by Pope because that's where his distant but very famous relative, Alexander Pope, was from. Yeah. It's not, not nothing Gallic there, though. Nothing Gallic, no. no. It kept making me think about Scott Dunlap. It did. No relation. George Dunlap was a, a great American I think it was George Dunlap mm. in the 30s, great American amateur. Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikipedia, he's from Huntsville as well. Mm. And also Spike McRoy, who my brother caddied for in the 2004 Open Championship at Troon. Good knowledge. That's Nick Dunlap. But anyway, more to the point, he he closed really well because he looked as if he was going to sort of let it go and you thought Bezidenhout or um, Sam Burns might take it. But he's straight, he's straight up to 68th in the world. Mm. That's quite a... That's an amazing leap. I'm not sure about that, but I think he probably is there in the rankings. But I thought you'd have to work a little bit harder than than that to sort of claw your way up. I thought a win on the PGA Tour might get you up at 150, 200, whatever. Straight up to 68. But what is he going to get from his remaining years at university? Is this to have a fallback in case he wants to be a mortgage advisor? <laughs> I don't know what, what would you... I understand he's very, very close to his team and his coach was there... But, you know, if you're studying finance, we, we could give him some financial advice here. If he turned pro now, which I think he will, I think the fact that he's pulled out this week and he's going to think about it, I think that says quite a lot. You know, he'll, he'll get a deal that's worth at least, at least five million a year from manufacturer sponsors. And also, he's in every PGA Tour event for two years. He's in all the majors. I mean, he's in three of them already, but he'd be in the PG, USPGA as well. I love the sort of amateur ethos, but none of these players at college are are amateurs anyway. No, you know, he would be getting a fair whack with the NILs, the name, image, likeness scheme. You know, when someone said an amateur wins in the PGA Tour, I thought, yes, he ha- he is amateur, but his only amateur status is that he can't win the prize money. In everything else, these guys are young professionals. So I don't think it's, I think it's a great story. But I don't think it's quite as amazing as people are making out because the the age that, that people are getting good at golf is coming down and down and down all the time. Um, Eddie, Eddie was 33 yesterday. Happy birthday, Eddie. 33 used to be, they worked out that that was the peak age for golf when you're, 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 you're best because you'd had all the experience accumulated but you hadn't started to get the injuries or the fear. And 33 was worked out as being the peak age. But now... It's much younger, isn't it? It is, and you know we've spent so much time in in the infancy of our of our pod talking about Ludwig Aubert, and you see him uh, come through. Before him was was Victor Hovland. We talked about the American Walker Cup players, Gordon Sargent. Now we're talking about Scott Dunlap. It's an endless production line that is coming out of the states at the moment. These people have been honed from in a very athletic way. Everything is about speed and and then building a golf game around that. And that, I think we can fairly say, is going to lower the the peak age of a, a professional golfer. You look at Rory McIlroy, the Masters will be his final major before he turns 35. And yes, there looks like there's no slowing up as far as McElroy is concerned, but you have to be aware that he's going to be nearer 40 than 30 by May this year. And and that will will ultimately take its toll. I just going back to, to Dunlap's win, I mean I a lot of people have have talked about how bereft 
professional golf and tour golf feels when it's not at the majors and because of the fractured nature of the game. And I'm kind of starting to take issue with that because I think every week there seems to be something that is really interesting and capable of capturing your imagination, whether it's McElroy coming from 10 shots back, as I witnessed in Dubai, or whether it's Scott Dunlap doing what he did, what Ludwig Olbert did at the end of, of last year. And seeing a, a lad there dissolving into, into tears, not getting any of the financial rewards for actually winning the tournament, but lining up so many so much financial security for the for the future. But, you know, having that Roll Tide yardage book coverer with Roll Tide, which is the rallying cry for, for the Alabama uh, State uh, University. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, yeah, it's for the Crimson Tide. Alabama have the Crimson, Crimson Tide. Tide. It's all part of that. It just looked so, in a sporting sense, romantic and, and something that we should all celebrate. And yet, like... Two days down the line, we're thinking, right, now now, how does he cash in? How does he cash in? I mean, there's a bit of me, Andrew, that that I'm wrestling with this, that thinks, give him the money, give him the $1.2 million for winning. Absolutely not. Because, because he's earned no, it. No, he hasn't earned it because he's gone into that tournament without the pressure that professional golfers have playing for the living, playing for money. So he's... he's he, no, he, hundred percent, he should not be getting the the money. Anyway, that's it's irrelevant. He's going to make millions and millions and millions anyway as soon as he turns pro and sponsorship. But he shouldn't get the money as prize money because he's competing as an amateur. Now, when you go in as an amateur, you are not competing. Any professional golfer. This is why the transition from amateur golfer to professional golfer. Not for Dunlap, he's different, different gravy. But for a, a really good amateur becoming a professional, when suddenly you're playing it for your livelihood, for your living, to pay a mortgage, to to make money, earn money, to succeed, to have a career. That's totally different to playing as an amateur when he's just thinking about representing the Crimson Tide, Roll Tide. And it's an utterly different mentality. It's not so, no, he doesn't get the, he doesn't get the money. Ian, that's nonsense. He doesn't get an electric car as a prize, doesn't get <laughs> any of these things, doesn't get the cheese tax song sung to him. He, uh, but he's yeah he's going to make millions. But I you know I think to myself well I made a point as soon as I landed from Dubai yesterday of going to my you know skybox and going to the to the recording and watching it because and that for me was a justification for giving the money to Sky to have the box to be able to watch the golf. It was one of the reasons and ultimately if you're one of those reasons you should be financially rewarded for it surely and he's a bigger he was a bigger reason and just seeing the way seeing the way that coming down the stretch Sam Burns just melted under the pressure from him that was just that was an incredible performance I thought from from Dunlap and I don't know. As I say, there's a bit of me. There's the 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 main reason I see for not rewarding amateurs in these circumstances is to protect the amateur game because there would be no amateur game if everyone knew that they could, if they could scramble their way onto a tour event and make fortunes out of it, then they wouldn't hang around for Walker Cups and amateur championships and things like that. I genuinely do think that if you, as the U.S. Open champion, a U.S. amateur champion, I've done it again, U.S. amateur champion, qualify for a US Open, a Masters or an Open Championship, then you have got there as of right and whatever rewards they are, including the financial ones, should be available to you when you play in the Open or the Masters. I just Otherwise, it's just absurd to me. 
No, I disagree. I disagree with you, but I'm just not going to. I'm not going to reason it because I. There is no reason. There is. There is reason. I've tried to. I've tried to explain it and didn't explain it very well. But um, when you, it, it's a, it's a different thing to be playing as an amateur psychologically to be playing as a professional. Paul Dunn, you know, had the eyeballs of the world on him at St Andrews when he was out in the final group at that at the weekend as yeah. an amateur. Yeah, when you're playing in an open championship and you're thinking about what you're not thinking about the money in an open championship. No, you're not, you might but- be thinking about the money. If you're an amateur, so Shane Lowry when he beat Robert Rock. Yeah, that that money should have at least gone into a trust to enable him to then pursue his professional career or something. He's earned it. Well, what's the point in having amateur status or professional status at all? Then I don't. Well, that's a, that. Now there's a good question. You don't have that in tennis. Tennis, you're you're just a player. Luke Littler. Luke Littler winning at Bahrain. Anyway, interesting stuff. Um, what's our email address again? The Chipping Forecast at holdingpocket.co.uk. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, we'll come on to emails later. Some nice emails. Some great ones. Um, anyway, Ian's uh, already referred to him as Scott Dunlap once. I'm keeping Have a tally I, I on keep it, doing so. that. Oh, sorry. Well, exactly. No, but it just shows our, our storied history in covering golf that we go to Scott Dunlap. Um, but you mentioned uh, Michael Torbjornsson. I mean, that was an incredible f- performance finishing uh, 11th. Was he 11th? Yeah, final round. Yeah. Final round 68. Um, and he was the guy who had the stress fracture, wasn't he? And yeah. uh, had to pull out of the Walker Cup. Uh, yeah, and we talked at the time about the stresses on his back, but that's you know what we've, what we've been talking about here. It's a, a younger younger players are are thriving earlier because of the athleticism involved in just going after drive. Thought Bjornsson, when you watch him hit a driver, it's just it's something something special. But the peak of their careers might be earlier. But I think careers will be shorter as well. So uh, we'll see with Thor Bjornsson. So Thor Bjornsson, uh, from that Walker Cup team, the American Walker Cup team in particular, some real talents because uh, Dunlap was there. Thor Bjornsson couldn't play a bit sergeant. Everyone's talked about Gordon Sargent. Uh, Caleb Surat, who I've seen suggestions that he's he's off to join John Ram's team and live. Mm. He was a, an outstanding player. This guy David Ford, one of the Ford twins they were both very good as well so there's so much young talent coming through it's uh, that's again what um is so impressive about McElroy because he's not a youngster anymore McElroy and he's done it for so long and you think that oh well the youngsters will come through can hit the ball as well as he hits it off the tee uh, but it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to matter his longevity is pretty impressive he's just got to do it in the majors it's extraordinarily impressive, I think, McElroy. I, I did a piece last year where I looked 10 years ago at the world's top 10 and there was only one player in that top 10 that was anywhere near the top 10, the current top 10. And that, of course, was McElroy. And I think he was number two when I looked um, and he was number one back in 22 or 2023 uh, or 2012 and 2013 when I looked at that that top 10. And he's I don't think in that period he's been lower than 15 in the world. And that is the most e- extraordinary level of consistency for which he gets almost zero credit. Uh, he has put together and is putting together the most extraordinary body of work, I think. And I think that this potentially was a significant win in the desert because he came from 10 shots back and he's spoken about it many times at the Masters when 
on the first green, he looked up at the the leaderboard and saw Brooks Kepka, who was on the eighth and 10 shots clear of him and thought, I'm going to have to press the accelerator and I'm going to have to, in a, in a sense, he was spooked by that. And yes, he pressed the accelerator on Saturday in spectacular fashion, rode his luck a little bit as well, came up with that eagle to finish his 63 and suddenly he's right into the tournament to the extent that he could win without making a birdie on the back nine, which, you know, it was all a bit scrappy, but it was composed scrappy, I thought. It wasn't desperate. You always felt he was going to get the job done. A big, significant win yet again for McElroy, fourth in the, uh, his fourth one in that Dubai Desert Classic. It just whips up the the storms of hype, though, going into the the first major, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see how he... Deal, you know, because he's tried so many different things going into the Masters, speaking, not speaking, just, um, you know, I mean, I, I arriving on the Thursday morning, he didn't do that. That's Eddie style. Eddie birdied three of the last four holes in Dubai. So um, I'm taking some positives from that. Um, so he was he was grafting away at his game. That's, you know, it's, you. I think when we hear Eddie chat as well, you know, you think Eddie, he's a, he's a, he's a bright guy, he's a rounded character and he's interesting, but he's still a guy who, like all the pros, when you see the hours they put in on the range, you know, after rounds, they'll come in off good round, bad round. They'll be working away on things, getting some feels. It's uh, it is, uh, it is a job. Yes. And um, we have our, our running joke about when I inadvertently disturbed him on the range at the Scottish Open last year. That was because he was already disturbed because he was chatting to uh, Aaron Rye. So I thought it was all clear to go and say hi. But I walked onto the the range, I think on the Wednesday, ahead of uh, the Dubai Desert Classic. And I looked over and I saw him there with Jamie as caddy. And they were seriously grinding. They were working. They were in deep conversation they were checking moves they were doing different things and i i watched for for quite a while just admiring the intensity of it all but i never went near them and he's a different character isn't he when you, totally you yeah it, and it's work you know it's work time and um yeah we had a our, our little um chat with a, a a small audience of people on the tuesday night and he, he did say in the course of that you know people get him wrong because he's he's got a sense of humor and he doesn't turn up until quite late in the week. And But he has reasons for all of that. And and he does work extraordinarily hard. It was funny, though, on Sunday, I just wandered over to the range and he was just finishing up. So I went over and said, are you approachable? And he was very approachable and we had a good old chinwag. So that was good. We just talk, talked about you, Andrew. When you say small audience for your chat, what, what audience was <laughs> How many people I think, were there? I think there were about a dozen people there, something like that. Mm. Uh, Eddie Eddie was very popular. He had his uh, his photograph taken with everybody that was there, um, mm. whether they liked it or not. <laughs> he was grabbing their cameras saying, come it on, was good. We, here, we, uh, To be honest, we had, we had a really good time. We just sat and chatted. There some good questions came in from, from the floor as well. And, and it just shows, you know, Eddie's never really had much success in in Dubai, but it's still a, a really popular figure. And when when we walked off the range on Sunday, uh, he got stopped a couple of times, and I had to take the photos. That's always very demeaning. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been in that situation so many times. And by the yes. way, sorry, this huh? this brings me on to something. So I did deliberately did a little joke last week about the traitors, mm. where I I I stopped myself short of saying. 
if they had a celebrity trait, as I'd love to go on it. And I deliberately stopped myself so that I could yeah. tee you up to, so we could have a lot of self-deprecating humour. And you mm. just completely ignored it. And somebody yeah. somebody yeah. went on on X and said, did you see how close Ian Carter, did you hear how close Ian Carter came to, to saying that he, and then he realised he's not a celebrity. It was all part of the joke. Was it? Really? Yes. Uh, the trouble is with your jokes, they're quite hard to see through the mist of unfunniness. Um, so <laughs> This is workplace bullying. <laughs> it's not. It's just, you know, it's not. Oh dear, what's I going to talk about? I can't remember now. No, I've done that. I've I've done that. I've done that. Um, I've I've photographed many many uh, walking through places with rugby players. Any any rugby yeah rugby players, golfer, whoever it might be, and just um yeah, I'll take that photo for you. Walk, well, walking with the dogs. Yeah, I'll take the photo of you with the dogs. I'm doing a, a thing. <laughs> I'm speaking at a, a book festival this weekend up in the Scottish Borders. Originally, it wasn't supposed to be with the dogs because I was going to go climbing this weekend, uh, this week. Uh, so I couldn't take the dogs up. But then the weather was so bad this week that I thought, well, I can take the dogs. So before, when it was announced as just me at the festival, they'd sold about 20 tickets. And then, of course... I said, oh, the dogs are coming as well now. Boom, sell out like that. So it's quite humbling, chastening. It's uh, humiliating. Anyway, um, we've got lots of other... Actually, one other name that I see, I saw in... Um, I see saw in uh, in the States. Bronson Burgoon. Yes. Tied 14th. Now, Bronson, Bronson Burgoon, a name from the cut days. Uh, he only got his spot in the field after Seamus Power and Denny McCarthy. They both pulled out. But then tied 14th, he's had all sorts of problems with injuries and things. Bronson has been lost his card. And so tied 14th, and I think he gets about $90,000 for for that. So well done, Bronson. Yeah, lovely guy. I, I met him at the Players' Championship and told him about our obsession with his name. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he yeah. got it. He, he realised it. He, he gave me the whole story of how his family were full of Bronsons. I think. Full of Bronsons? I think so. Oh. Mr. Bronson, he was terrifying. The bagoons. So one other question I wanted to ask on Nick Dunlap. From here, from this point now, would you rather have Nick Dunlap's career or Rory McIlroy's career? From now. From now. Oh, I am buying... Oh, that's a tough one. It's a good one. That's a great one. I am buying... Rory McIlroy's career. Do you think he's going to yeah, do Yeah, I think, I don't know, but I th- I suspect that McIlroy is going to have a real purple three or four years now. The only reason I don't go with Dunlap is because there are so many of them coming through that one day we'll be, we, you know, we're going to be all Dunlap and then the next day we're going to be all Aubert and then... Sergeant and all of those that are coming through, I think it's going to be harder to separate yourself in that generation than it was for McElroy to separate himself. And I think with his experience, his current fitness and his level of ability and longevity, I'm taking McElroy. But it's a very tough one that. What you, what about you? I honestly I can't. I'm, I'm gonna sit in the fence here. Oh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Blow um, me down with a feather. I agree with you. I think the next five years from Akaroy, I think he's going to do something, but I'm not sure about him in the majors. So I'm gonna say But you're right, it, because it's not Dunlap is the man of the moment, but there are lots of men of the moments coming mm-hmm. through, whether it's Ober or whether it's Thor Bjornsson or whether it's Dunlap. So um yeah, I'm gonna take Mackle Lap. <laughs> 
Um, right, okay, time for a very quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple of other things to uh, tidy up from the weekend. The LPGA got underway with their uh, tour opener, the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. Uh, that was in Florida. Lydia Ko won it. Mm. So it was Lydia Ko's first win on the LPGA Tour since the end of 2022. She did win the Saudi event in the LET, which I think was this time, it was this time last year. But that's her 20th LPGA Tour win. Uh, 28 wins in total. Her first win... Now, she's still only 26, but her first win was the Canadian Open in 2012. But last year, she didn't have a top 30 in any of the the, the women's majors, the five women's majors. Coach changes, caddy changes, but um, I think this year, augurs Aubert's a lot better for her. Yes, and I think that is great news for the LPGA Tour, for the women's game, a sensational ambassador. And one of the most striking things from last year was listening to her in press conferences, constantly having to be asked about what was a com- complete loss of form and ability to contend in the biggest titles. But to see the way that she finished at the end of last year, winning with Jason Day in the Grant Thornton, the mixed event as well, and then picking up and starting in the way that she has this year. Um, she's such an eloquent, eloquent talker, a great ambassador for the game over and above the fact that she's also an extraordinary talent. So I'm delighted. I put, I put her down to win one of the majors in my predictions piece that I did for the BBC Sport website this year. I mean, look at her career and her talent and how long she's been out there. She's, I mean, to, you know, she's won two majors, but I was about to say she's only won two, but she has only won two majors because... You you would have thought that Lydia Ko would have won more by now. Um, only two majors. One of those was the Evian. So one and a half majors she's won. One and a fifth. Charlie Hull was seventh. Gemma Dryborough ninth. So a couple of decent finishes. Dryborough seventy three in the final round. But um, I think watching a, f- a few players on the on the LPGA tour. Well, did I see Jodie Ewart Shadow? She pulled out. Oh, she, was. she was struggling, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah um, but anyway, Charlie Hull, always excited to watch her play. I'm I'm keenly watching Gemma Dryborough as well because she's from Aberdeen, even though she's been in the States for ages. I think she still supports Aberdeen. Come to, lives in Beaconsfield when she's at home as well. Does she? Mm. Just, outside, just outside Aberdeen. Mm. The pros play with celebrities in that one as well. Um, so I looked down the list of celebrities. Alfonso Ribeiro, 
who played Carlton in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was playing. He's, then, of course, I went on a deep dive on uh, Alfonso Ribeiro on YouTube and his golf. He's supposed to be a scratch player. Mm-hmm. I watched that, but he does, he does hit it quite hard. I don't think he's scratch, but maybe American scratch, but uh, it looks pretty good. Anyway, so that's what I did yesterday. Washed my car as well. Busy, busy, busy. A couple of things we didn't, uh, you just touched upon it because I listened to your interviews with them. Going to live or not going to live? Yes. Play that game. Because Tommy Fleetwood said not going to live and that made a, a, a few headlines said, no, this is his chasing his dream of um, you know winning tournaments that he's grown up watching, et cetera, that sort of thing. <laughs> Tyrrell Hatton, he, he didn't seem very happy in that interview, Ian. He, well, he came off the course on that Saturday having seen a putt have the temerity to bobble on the 18th. So that, that resulted in the golf ball being jettisoned into the water. And uh, then he came over and we said, hi, Tyrrell, how, how are you? And uh, I mean, I, I mean, you are allowed to swear in, in, in pods, but um, it's, it'd be crass to do, to say what he said. Um, so I then just said, well, look, uh, you don't want to waste too much of your time, but you know, you're the, these stories that come out that you're being targeted by live. Yeah. He said he's happy on the, the DP world tour and on the PGA tour. And I then said to him at the end, so you're happy to stay put? And he said, uh, as it stands, yeah. Happy for now, I think he'd say. Yeah, happy happy for now, happy as it stands, something like that. And, yeah. But it was enough, certainly for newspaper journalists, to say, oh, that door's not shut. Um, so maybe a little, little ajar. I... I, I'm talking to people, um, and I'm sure Eddie will have have views on this next week as well, because there is just so much gossip going on at the moment, yeah. so much. Um, there, there is a feeling that, yes, the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour are under massive pressure here, and they have been ever since John Rahm went, but the pressure goes the other way as well. Rahm's gone. He hasn't filled out a team yet. We asked Tommy Fleetwood whether the approach from Liv had been to play in Rahm's team, and he said, no, that wasn't the case. So that's an interesting dynamic too. But they've they've, they've been knocked back now by Hatton as it stands, yeah, <laughs> by Fleetwood. Uh, they've been knocked back by Aubert. They've been knocked back by Tony Finau. So they are struggling. You know, these are these are in a sense triumphs for the beleaguered PGA Tour and DP World Tour. Yeah. So you know this this tussle that is going on at the moment. Everybody has this feeling that the PIF has a bottomless pit of money, but they have to work to budgets that have to be accountable. So the question remains. You know, do they have a fixed amount? Do they have a fixed budget? And can they afford? surprise these people away from the 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 PGA tour in the wake of obviously splashing out loads on getting John Rahm. Yeah. I I wonder if people as some players are thinking about the sort of the Ram move as described by Rory McElroy of taking the money, getting the move, no think believing that there is going to be a coming together. So which you know, just get in there quickly, get your deal before while it's still available. And you'll all end up playing together in some world tour in the near future anyway. So that must be a, a temptation for you know, Hatton or whoever it might be, or Wyndham Clark. I saw rumours flying around. About yeah, he's another one uh, who's, um, you know, the rumours say that he's he's now turned rumors. it down as, as well. I mean, if you think if they got Wyndham Clark, there's someone who is guaranteed for all the majors for, for five years at least and would be the third reigning major champion to be on there 
on their books. That would be a massive coup for them, but it would cost them an awful lot of money for Clark to to make that move across. And Hatton is a different case in point because he's not a major winner and he could very quickly slip down the the, the rankings and suddenly be struggling to play in the biggest tournaments. Yep, 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 yep. Um, as ever, interesting to watch. Um, right, we'll move on because uh, we're, we're, we're rambling on. Eddieless, rudderless, eddieless. Oh, here's a new section. This may well never occur again, this new section. But I'd like to establish, for some reason, Ian, I'd like to establish who our most famous listener is. Oh, yeah. I mentioned last week that Chris Cusseter is a listener to the pod, former Scotland captain, because uh, he got in touch to share a one-star review from the United States. Thank you, Chris. Uh which was based on anti-hunting rhetoric, so it wasn't really fair. Anyway, it got me thinking who our most famous listener might be. If we take Chris as a starting point, Chris is our base level integer, former Scotland captain, played for the Lions once, played in that strange game against Argentina in 2005 in Cardiff before the tour started proper. So, um, Chris, you won't mind me saying, he's our base level fame. Okay. So then we've got to try and move up incrementally from that. And I, th- I think I can move up in two small steps, keeping it within rugby, because I know that, I suspect we're not going to get much higher, but um, I know Paul Grayson listens. Paul Grayson, World Cup winner. Okay, he didn't actually kick the winning drop goal, but he was on the team bus in 2003 for (laughs) England. Um, He was the kit man. No, he was uh, a very nice man, very good commentator as well. He's brilliant. Uh, And actually staying with Northampton, we can perhaps move up a fraction from Paul, to Martin Bayfield listens. Mm. Now he played for England and the Lions, and we could put him in Eddie terms. If Eddie were here, well, he's, he's Hagrid. Yeah. He's a film star. Yeah. He was when Robbie Coltrane were, when it was the long shots of Hagrid, the, the giant six foot ten Martin Bayfield is Hagrid. So, uh, so my, my new section is: Are you more famous than Martin Bayfield? Let's. Uh, I'm going to do a sting. I'll do a sting for that. Hang on a second. Yeah, do you know who you're talking to right here? Because I'm a pretty big deal. So are you more famous than Martin Bayfield? Can we if you're if you believe that you're more famous than Martin Bayfield, then please get in touch. The chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. I think Tommy Fleetwood might listen, you know. Cause he said to me, Oh, how's the podcast going with Eddie? So I don't think he listens. He might oh, listen. He might do. If he does I mean if he does listen. He is awesome. And yeah, that would be just, great. Well, no, I think we can do better than Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think Barack Obama said he listens. Yeah. Don't be shy. Don't, if you think you've got any level of, of fame. No, get in touch. Slide into the DMs. If you were eligible for celebrity traitors, that, that, would, be, that would be a good benchmark. What? Yes, that is a good benchmark. Well, no, is it? Because celebrity TV programs do not... I mean, I've done Celebrity Eggheads and Celebrity Mastermind. Is that the trophy just behind you? It's just behind you, yeah, the Celebrity yeah, Mastermind trophy. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 I'll just get out of the way so you can see it mm. properly. Yeah, I, I don't think, no, getting onto a celebrity TV programme doesn't get you in because now it's just filled with um, people from Made in Chelsea and influencers and that. So, yeah, there must be somebody out there who's more famous than Martin Bayfield who listens to this podcast. Anyway, uh, I don't think we're... Uh, I don't think anyone's listening here. now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Famous or otherwise. Ken Green, we were talking about uh, various people called Ken last week and we didn't mention Ken Green. You could do a whole pod on Ken Green. You remember Ken Green, mm. yeah, uh, player of the 80s, 90s. He won five times in the PGA Tour. 
played in the 1989 Ryder Cup. He was, he was an eccentric character. He was often portrayed uh, as the bad boy of golf. So it was him and Mac O'Grady who we talked about, really. Um, he sneaked friends into the Masters in the boot of his car. And he was actually, he was, he was, he, he was drinking on the course in, at Augusta in 97, I think. And he was playing with Arnold Palmer at the time. But actually, his, there was a lot of reasons. He, he wrote an autobiography, which is fascinating, reads about his, his life and his drinking problems and his upbringing in, uh, in South America, Central America, Guatemala, Honduras, um, where his father was working. But his father, anyway, he was, yeah, it, it's, it's, there's some quite dark stuff in there, which I won't go into here, but um, <laughs> I don't know why I've brought it up now, to be honest. Let's just talk about logs and the cheese tax. But uh, Ken Green, <laughs> if you do get a chance to look into the, the story of Ken Green, I remember him hitting through sliding door windows. I remember him recreating that. He used to do that in hotels. He would close the, the gap of the sliding door to, to a gap of about six inches and he would hit full shots through from his hotel window out onto the, the course or wherever. And I remember seeing him re- recreate that for a, a golf magazine. But there we are. Other news, uh, Ian Jackie Burke Jr. Yes. Yeah. 100, wasn't he? He was 100. He was the first major winner to turn 100. And he was just three weeks short of his 101st birthday. And he's died, Jackie Burke Jr. Uh, won two majors in 56. He won the, the Masters in 56 when he came from eight shots behind. And Ken Venturi, talking about great amateurs. Ken Venturi was a famous amateur um, and shot 80 in the final round, Ken Venturi and Jackie Burke Jr. won that one. And he was then the, the US Ryder Cup captain the following year at Lindrick in that, uh, well, famous win for Great Britain. Yes. Um, that was the last one until 1985 when Europe won it. So I've got a tiny little personal story about, about Lindrick because my, my best mate when we were at college, um, we were at college in Sheffield, but we had to go over to Worksop to work on the Worksop Guardian. And you drive past Lindrick Golf Club when you when you go from Sheffield to to Worksop. And I he to this day he still says to me, Lindrick, they played the Ryder Cup there. Because every time, every time we went past the golf club, I went, I'd go, that's uh, that's Lindrick. They played the Ryder Cup there. Yeah, I didn't know it was near. I didn't know it was near Worksop, but I looked. I, I knew it because yeah. I knew it was Yorkshire, but I didn't realise it was so far south in Yorkshire because Worksop's well, north, north Nottinghamshire, isn't it? Now Lindrick's Yorkshire. Lindrick's so, right. Oh, I think it's just across the border, but it's a. It's. I'm sure people will correct us. Famous people from Lindrick who will correct us. Uh, I'm sure it's just inside the South Yorkshire border but anyway good again we are uh, oh god where's Eddie um, but uh, Jackie Bird Jr he was vice, vice captain to Hal Sutton I remember that in 2004 he was 81 then but he was a bit of a character Jackie Bird Jr so and he shared his locker in the champions locker room at Augusta he shared his locker you know they share lockers yes two players usually share he shared it with Tiger did he? So it was Tiger's jacket and Jackie Buck Jr's jacket hanging up in that locker so do, do you know who Jack Nicholas shares his with? I used this locker, actually. You used the locker? Yeah. When you used the locker? When you played the course, did you... We, did you... we were allowed to change in the champion's uh, locker room. We weren't allowed to change in the champion's locker well, room. Well, there you go. That's just how the cookie crumbles. So, uh, and I was allocated the Jack Nicholas locker. and it's So he shares ju- it with you? Yeah. Uh, and Horton Smith, the first ever winner. Horton Smith, Horton, Horton, so Horton Smith, Smith, and then Jack Nicholas. Very good. Oh, God, I can't believe you got to change in oh, the yeah. champions' locker room. Oh, it's brilliant. You should. We didn't. We very much did not get to do that. But we got to play it. So what am I talking about? You know, talking about celebrities, we got a nice mm. email from Sharon 
Hi, Andrew, Eddie, and Ian. Uh, just to say thank you for your entertaining podcast. Yours is the only one I downloaded on the cruise ship. I listened on the balcony uh, on the coast of Vietnam. Just think of that. Incidentally, talking about meeting celebrities, I once was let through on a golf course by Alan Shearer and his party, and so naturally was terrified about hitting my next shot with an audience. But he said, great shot, love. It's my sad claim to fame. Thanks again, Sharon. P.S. I voted for you. This is about the last week people can vote, isn't it? Vote it? Oh, yes. The, uh, ah, the Sports Podcast Awards. I, I, I've accepted that we're not going to win and I'm not bothered by it because we haven't promoted it because we haven't put it out on, uh, we haven't put it out on socials. So do what you want with it, people. You have to put your email in as well. So I think that'll stop some people. But if you, if you like this podcast or if you liked this podcast before this week's episode, then vote for that in the Sports Podcast Awards golf category subsection something else where's eddie um well other emails email from jt said just to let you know there is a current professional golfer called barnes wallace he was a junior at the addington and now has some success playing mini tour golf events like the clutch tour i don't i don't know the clutch tour oh yes it's it's sort of like um it was it was a bit like the euro pro tour which is now gone but it's yeah so, um, yeah, there's some good golf played on there. I don't know if you heard the drilling in the background. The guys turned up and they start, the installation work has started. So I could disappear at any moment, Andrew. Right. Okay. Well, let's rattle through a few other things then. Paul Roger or Roger Paul. I don't know which way around it goes. He Insta DM'd me. My Insta DM is just a forest of semi-naked women, unfortunately. So it's a, But among them, there are some genuine people. Um, Dustin Johnson, left-handed, 294-yard carry, 311 yards total on the range at Augusta. Same in that video. Left-handed, Dustin Johnson. It was mighty impressive. And Kieran McCallum on Insta messaged to say, my pronunciation of Grigio is correct as Grigio, Emiliano Grigio. Ian, I don't know if I've got the energy for that fight this year, but I am going to, if I'm ever commentating on him, I'm going to call him Emiliano Grigio and watch people just say, what? You know, because I'm just that kind of guy. Uh, undoubtedly, I'm going to do that. And I do apologise for, I was really, I felt really guilty after last week's um, pod because mm. obviously the points had been made about Spanish, uh, the double L in Spanish is I, I, I as in Ballesteros. Yeah. I was thinking, why? Because I listened back to the pod. I thought, why on earth did I hear Andrew saying that? And the point that was made so eloquently by by uh, our listener who'd emailed in. And then I remembered that was the point at which my entire Zoom had frozen. So oh, I, I hadn't heard. Oh, I, I hadn't heard a word of that before. Yeah. I felt I felt dreadful after that. Okay. Don't, don't feel dreadful. Emiliano Grigio. Anyway, there we are. Um, also, someone got in touch. I, I apologise. I haven't uh, got who it was here. But anyway, just to say, did I miss you chatting about Gary Woodland? No, he didn't. We forgot to talk about Gary Woodland. We forget a lot of stuff, I'm afraid. So he came back at the Sony Open after surgery in September on his uh, lesion on his brain. It was very, very interesting. I mean, it's fascinating because I, did, I didn't realise that, you know, he had sh shown symptoms for a long time of excess fear and anxiety in all aspects of life, driving on the golf course, whatever it might be. And it was because the lesion sat in the part of the brain that controls fear and anxiety. So he's had that removed now. He's back playing. He's playing again this week at Torrey Pines. And obviously, all the very, very best to, to Gary Woodland. Others playing at Torrey Pines, Ian. Bob McIntyre's back out again. A lot of English golfers as well. The ones who play over on the PGA Tour that you might not 
know quite so much about Callum Tarrant, Benny Taylor again, Harry Hall, Aaron Rise out there. Shane Lowry's in the field, Hoigo, uh, Nikolai Hoigo, uh, Ludwig Ober, uh, Justin Rose, Matt Waller. It's a good field, actually. In, uh, it is. It's a really good field. It's uh, I, I enjoy watching that one as well, just seeing the the um, Pacific Ocean. And I always have great memories of that place, which we haven't got time oh. to go into now, but where, where you ended up caddying for Gary Wollstonehome. <laughs> In the U.S. Open, obviously, <laughs> that was that was very funny. But no, it should be it should be a good week that one, and an important one. You know, so many of those names that you've just uh, reeled off there, they're they're the mules, if you like. They're the players who can get into these events, but they can't get into the signature events unless they do well in these events. Yeah. So it's they're they're important, and I'm enjoying the golf season as it's as it started, and I I shall be watching with interest. Yep, there we are. Anyway, and guess who's joining us next week on the pod? Go on. Eddie Pepperell is going to join us. Well, he said he will. He'll be back next week. Um, yeah, he's grafting away. So uh, I know a lot of people look out for his results. I hope he doesn't feel that excess pressure. Anyway, I, I, I'm sure he won't listen to this. So Eddie Eddie is a fascinating character. And he, uh, he'll... It, well, I mean, the video he posted on Twitter just showed this, uh, you know... Um, depicted life one steel ball going straight down a straight line and then one going up and down like that and the up and down one actually reaches the finish line more quickly so there's a little insight into eddie's head but uh if eddie likes a golf course and all the vibes are right eddie will play well so um there we are we're going to leave it at that eddie uh, ian's off to oh the excitement levels as he starts the electric revolution yes travels three miles down the road before it stops in the cold weather uh, the, the chap that's arrived has has clearly um, been to the DIY stall and he's got a, an Eddie style drill going full belt at the moment so uh, could be an interesting day in Carter Towers right is it an electric drill that he's using or is it uh, I've no idea to be honest I'm just oh, delighted I- the power's still on I don't know what other type of drill you get. I just thought I could get an oil. Oh, you could get the. Drill. Do you remember those ones that you used to, you used to sort of turn the collar? Turn, turn the handle. Yeah, 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 I'm not sure that would really. No. I'm, I'm sure a properly but qualified tradesman yeah. Yeah, of course from, from check a trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. Okay. That's enough. And uh, we promise again that things will change next week. And I'll just leave you with this in your head. The cheese tax, the cheese tax. You gotta pay the cheese tax every time you're cooking. When the cheese comes out, this puppy comes looking. The rules are the rules, and the facts are the facts. And when the cheese drawer opens, you gotta pay the tax. The cheese tax, the cheese tax. And that completes this edition of the Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. Holding pocket.